Pat Nunley in his 40th year behind the mic mm-hmm. for the Bears. Pat, good afternoon. How are you, my friend? Hey, couldn't be better, Tom. Just basking in, uh, you know, Final Four country. Uh, this is uncharted waters for us, but, man, it is sure fun. It's been worth the wait. All right, Pat, you you, you, you played at Baylor. You've been, as we mentioned, uh, behind the mic for – the good times, you've been behind the mic for some mm-hmm. bad times, you've been behind the mic for some really bad times, and now mm-hmm. you're behind the mic in in a, in a Final Four situation. Can, can, have you had a chance just to kind of reflect and, and just where this, where this journey has been and, and where you're at right now? Tom, reflect is a really good word because that's what I've been doing. Uh, you, you know, having spent so much time doing what I've done, you have to reflect. I mean, 40 years is a long time, and the journey was a long kind of winding journey. So you do have to reflect on it, contemplate it, appreciate it. Uh, a lot, a lot of people along the way that would really love this. Uh, so I've I've done a lot of reflection. You know, we're still in the mix. I mean, uh, Final Four is great. Big 12 championship, unbelievable. But they've got work to do, and they can win it all. They absolutely can. It's still 1-0. It starts with Houston on Saturday. But I, I have done a lot of thinking about it, and um, it's, it's been emotional at times, really. You, you don't, you don't real, I haven't realized how emotionally attached I am to Baylor basketball uh, until really the last month when we started, started thinking about where the program has gotten to and the blood, sweat, and tears that have gone into that. It's been fun. This basketball team, Pat, to just – Give me a couple of words to describe this basketball team. Not, not maybe not necessarily what what they are on the floor, but what they are just as a as a unit, as a group, coaching staff, players, and, and everybody that goes, uh, you know, the travel party. Just what what are your thoughts on this group? The word that comes to mind, Tom, is culture. Uh, that's a really good question, by the way. How would you really sum up who these guys are, who the program is, the coaches, etc.? It's a culture, and and one thing Scott has done that is off the charts great, and he started day one, was to build a culture that would bond his team, his coaches, his former players, uh, me, John, everybody else to the program. And he went to work on that really hard, and that doesn't happen overnight. But everybody's completely bought in, and they're bonded together. I mean, these guys really do love one another. And you can tell it in the way they play. They share the ball. Uh, they, they support one another. They challenge one another. And it's a culture of, I mean, the, the, the phrase that they're using now is a culture of joy. It's Jesus, others, you. And the cool thing is, Tom, you ask any one of them, how would you describe your culture, the culture of this program? And I think to a man, they would say, Jesus, others, you. And they've rallied around that, and they're bought in, and they're bonded around it. And, and look what happens, because at this stage of the game, everybody is really, really good. And so what are the intangibles that you bring to a game? What are the things that you're going to do that go beyond X's and O's? And a lot of that comes from who you are, the culture that you, you've built, and what do you tap into at winning time? And you've seen, Tom, in the last few games, Villanova in particular, you get to winning time, and this team has another gear. (laughs) They just do. 
and they believe, man, it's, they, you know, they not only don't shy away from competition, they embrace it. They love the moment. And so that's been fun. But the word is culture, I think. Let, let, Pat, kind of describe the rebuild. I mean, I, I think we've all recognized that Scott came in and here and done a, a marvelous job. But, I mean, you of all people know the work that he had to put in mm-hmm. to just get people to, to, to buy into this program and then not only buy into the program, but then to start to win and then to really win at a high level. This has been, this has been a, a – this has been a, a this has been a difficult challenge and, and a challenge that maybe only he could have accomplished. Yeah, I think the first thing he did was he created a vision for success that was beyond anything anybody around Baylor had ever even imagined or conceived of in terms of Baylor bas- men's basketball success. So he crafted that vision, and you think about it: when he came here, we were dysfunctional. And we were so dysfunctional, we really couldn't cast a vision for what success looked like. We were just trying to get, we were trying to get out of the out of the muck, really. So he casted a vision, and then he instilled in in the program the idea that we were going to win championships. I remember him saying at his first press conference, "We're going to win the Big Twelve, and we're going to go to the Final Four. And there was audible laughter in the room. And son of a gun. He's won the Big 12, and here we are. So along the way, Tom, there were milestones. There was not long after he was hired, what was it, four or five years? We're in the NCAA tournament, 2008. Then we went to the championship game of the NIT. Then a couple of years later, we're in the Elite Eight. Then two years later, we're in the Elite Eight again. And then we have been consistently good. And I don't mean just good. I mean in the upper echelon of college basketball, and now here we are. But there were milestones along the way. We built on that. He built on that. He built on that. And so you're going from, I hope we can, to when you get these milestones, hope becomes belief. And when you go from hope to belief, it's a different ball game. And when we got there, it was, okay, so now just how far can we go? And he's, he's answered that question. Pat, with that being said, and then you look now at his coaching tree and the success those guys are starting to have. I mean, yeah. he, he's a Hall of Fame coach, isn't he? When, once I know that's kind of early, but once things are all said and done, he's got to be a Hall of Fame coach, right? Well, I, I'll tell you a funny story, and I'm going to try to make it brief, but uh, we were doing a game uh, in Las Vegas in a tournament, and uh, Memphis, Josh Pastner was the coach at Memphis, and he was, uh, they played the game before ours and ESPN or somebody was doing the game. And so he was standing in front of us post game for him, pregame for us. And he was about to be interviewed and he's just standing there and he looks at me and he says, are you on, are you on the air? And I went, no, I'm, we're not on the air yet. And he said, um, do you want to talk to me? I said, well, let me talk to John. He's kind of running the show, but uh, what do you want to talk about? He said, I want to tell your people, what kind of job Scott Drew has done because nobody could do at Baylor what Scott Drew has done. And then he said, if Scott, and this is, I, I'm this is 10 years ago, eight or 10 years ago. He said, if Scott Drew never wins another game at Baylor university, he's in the college basketball hall of fame for what he had done at that point in time. Now that was post second elite eight, 
but that's another coach talking. That's not Nunley. That's not John Morris. That's not our athletic communications. That's another coach who said he's in the hall of fame. And that was before a big 12 championship or a final four. So short answer to your question is he has to be in the hall of fame. If this doesn't get him in the hall of fame, what does? That's a really good point. I know for me, when I watch this Baylor team, there really aren't very many kinks in the armor at all. I'm kind of concerned about the, the inside game a little bit, but the mm-hmm. fouls, I mean, that really kind of, they, they were able to get by with the issues the other night with the fouls. How do they get that under control? And as a former player, is that more mental? Is that understanding the refs and, and communicating that with your guys of how to approach that game? Yeah, I think it's all of the above, really. You know, the thing about Jared Butler, Jared has gotten into foul trouble lately, but he doesn't foul out. I think as Jared Butler gets into foul trouble, he becomes smarter. And it's all those things you just talked about. Davion Mitchell, same way. He got three fouls in the first half, and then he finished the game with three fouls. And and he put pedal to the metal. It wasn't like he backed off. Now, a couple of plays, he did back off to, to avoid a foul. But he took a charge, big charge, in the second half, with three fouls. Was it but that early it in the be... second half, Pat? It was. Yeah. It sure was. Now, he understands. He's not taking that charge if he knows he's if he doesn't know he's not going to get that he's going to get the call. So he took the charge. So these guys get into foul trouble, but you rarely see him foul out. I mean, Butler fouled out of the uh, West Virginia game, but I think they just get smarter as they get more into foul trouble. And they figure out a way to play and be effective. And I think another really important piece of that is they are deep. I mean, there is depth. You, you know, losing Davion Mitchell hurt, but uh, the cupboard is not bare behind either of those guys. Adam Flagler comes in, and you don't lose anything. You get Matt Meyer in, you don't lose anything. Nope. Now, you want those three on the floor. Those guys are racehorses. But they just get smarter as they get more into foul trouble. It's maturity. It's confidence. It's high basketball IQ. Final thing for you here, Pat, uh, and I want you to talk a little bit about the identity of this team a little bit. I mean, we, myself included, thought, you know, hey, this is this team, you know, as soon as they get off the bus, they're shooting threes. But they've proven mm-hmm. in this tournament, in their last couple of games in this tournament, that if the three's not falling, they don't have to shoot threes to win basketball games. That's true. And, and people have lost sight of the fact that before COVID, this team was the third best defensive team in the country. This was an elite defensive team. And we weren't there, you know, for two or three weeks after COVID. We're starting to get back to that now. They are averaging 20, 20 and a half points a game off turnovers in, in this tournament. So they're getting almost a third of their points off turnovers. They forced Villanova to commit 16 turnovers. Bears got 19 or 20 off those turnovers. They, they forced Villanova, a team that leads the country in fewest turnovers committed a game, to, to commit five turnovers in a row and at winning time. So they are elite defensively now. I think they still have work to do, but that – and I've been saying this for a month – if they win championships, they'll do it on the defensive end, not necessarily on the offensive end. And I think the Villanova game in particular uh, was exhibit A for that. Hey, Pat, I know it's a work trip uh, this weekend, but, uh, man, you, you've been a big part of this thing for a long time. <laughs> Enjoy it, buddy. Have fun. I will. It, it is a blast right now. Again, 
plenty of work to do, but man, what an incredible ride it's been. So off we go. Can't wait. Get some W's and come home. We'll see you soon. I will. Take care. Pat Dunley, the uh, analyst for the uh, Baylor Broadcast.